You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. The word translated good here from the Greek describes ideal. The ideal shepherd. Everything you would ever want in a shepherd, Jesus fulfilled that. He wasn't like Blue Boy and Bo Peep. He wasn't like them. He was the good shepherd. He was the ideal. Listen to what Guzik said about this. Quote, Jesus said it so plainly that there could be no mistake what he meant. Some people are really good at what they do. They're intuitive and know just what to do and say to make things work. Well, today, Pastor Dave explains that Jesus is the ultimate example of a good shepherd. He perfectly cares for those who follow him, his sheep. You can rest in the knowledge that he'll take care of you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 10 as he begins his message, The Good Shepherd. You are You will turn into your Bibles to chapter 10 of the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking specifically at verses 11 through 18. The Gospel of St. John, the Gospel written to the church, to the believers, that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God, and by knowing Him and believing upon Him, have life everlasting is John's purpose for writing this glorious, glorious book. And we've been going through it now. We are in chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 18. So if you have found your way there, please read silently as I read aloud. Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus is speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep." And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father." How many of you, either who have had children or are children and have had read to you Mother Goose nursery rhymes? Looking back over these rhymes, there are several that have to do with sheep. Of course, you're all familiar with Mary. She's the one that had the little lamb whose fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. You know that one. Come on. 
Interesting, though, that if you continue on in the verses, you come to find out that the lamb followed Mary to school and went inside the school, and they had to put the lamb out because lambs aren't allowed in school. So they put the lamb out, and the lamb waited for Mary the entire school day. And then when Mary came out of school, they were reunited. Well, that tells me something about Mary. She must have been a good shepherd because the lamb cared for her so much and wanted her care. She waited patiently. She didn't wander, and she certainly didn't get lost, which brings me to a couple other of rhymes about sheep who actually got lost. There's that little boy blue. <laughs> little boy blue, come blow your horn. The sheep's in the meadow, the cow's in the corn. Where's the little boy who looks after the sheep? Under the haystack, fast, fast asleep. The little boy blue had a problem. He wasn't a very good shepherd. He fell asleep on the job. And, you know, if I fell asleep on the job when I worked, I would have been accused of dereliction of duty. And they would have gotten rid of me and had a problem here. But he fell asleep. He fell asleep. He fell asleep. This is tough stuff, folks. Come on. Good. Give me a break. He fell asleep. And the sheep wandered out of the pen. And they, got lost. they didn't get lost, but they kind of wandered all over the place. Then there was a young lady called Bo Peep. Little Bo Peep. She must have been small in stature. Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep and can't tell where to find them. Leave them alone, and they'll come home, bringing their tails behind them. This must be the shepherd's worst nightmare, to lose the sheep, not to be able to find them, losing their flock. But this is what happened to poor little Bo Peep. We don't know why Bo Peep sheep was lost, but we do know that the following verses, as you read down through the verses of the rhyme, she too fell fast asleep. She too is accused of dereliction of duty. She was not a very good shepherd. Both of these shepherds, little Bo Peep and little boy Blue, were not really good shepherds because they did follow sheep on the job. They allowed their sheep to wander and to get lost because they did not properly care for them. Now, I know this is a stretch. Come on. I know this is a stretch. But the same thing was happening in the nation Israel. The same exact thing was happening in the nation Israel. Those people who were given God's responsibility to take care of his sheep, his people, his flock, have allowed them to go astray. They have allowed them to wander, and may I say it, some of them have even gotten lost. Why? Because these shepherds were also in dereliction of their duty. They were not doing what God had called them to do in shepherd his flock. Remember I said last week, you belong to God. You do not belong to me or Calvary Chapel. You are God's sheep. And I am put here in an under-shepherd form to feed you and to take care of you. And woe if I don't. Woe if I don't. I have to answer to God. In Ezekiel 34, the prophet speaking the word of God comes against these false shepherds. It was our responsibility to care for and guide God's people, to protect them, his sheep. They were supposed to meet all of their needs, especially their spiritual needs, but they did not. So God rails against them in Ezekiel 34. 
But then in Ezekiel 34, verse 11, Ezekiel tells these shepherds what God is going to do. I'm just going to read 11 and 12. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, God speaking now, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they had scattered on a cloudy and dark day. So God is saying, I'm going to come to the rescue. I'm going to come down there and I'm going to find my sheep. Now, clearly this is a prophecy for end times where Israel will once again all be gathered and the Messiah will rule over them and be their shepherd. But I believe it also has another meaning. Fast forward from Ezekiel several hundred years to Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, God incarnate, came and was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He was sent to the lost sheep of Israel to do what? To rescue them to rescue them, to bring them back to God, the God that they had left, the God that they had put aside and walked away from to serve other idols, to serve the law and man's tradition. Jesus came to fulfill all that and to bring them back. We read in Matthew 9, verse 36, Jesus was looking out over the multitude and he had compassion for them. Why? Because he saw them as weary and he saw them as scattered. They were sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had come to fulfill that spot, to bring Israel back to God, to be their shepherd, and to guide them in the truth. Why? Because the same thing was happening then that was happening in Ezekiel's day. And God came to the rescue. God came. Jesus came to the lost sheep of Israel. But what did they do? They rejected him. They rejected the Messiah. They rejected the Son of God. They rejected him, especially the religious leaders. And during the entire time of Jesus' ministry, during the entire time of Jesus' ministry, he has been in conflict with these religious leaders who were now the shepherds of Israel. These were the shepherds of Israel, and Jesus has been in conflict with them constantly. They were supposed to shepherd the flock of God, but they fell short. They were in dereliction of duty. They weren't doing it. What were they doing? They were abusing the flock. They were exploiting them for their own personal gain. They were leading them astray. And subsequently, these sheep, God's sheep, God's children, the children of Israel, were lost. They were spiritually lost. Now, when we began this series, series entitled Sheep, Sheepfolds and Shepherds, we discussed the role and responsibilities of a shepherd. And we noted several things about what shepherds are supposed to do. The shepherd's main job was to care for the sheep in all area. He feeds them. He leads them to green pastures so they can have their full on the fresh grass. He leads them to a place to drink. He protects them from those who would do them harm. He walks among them and keeps them calm. He tends to their every need and every whim. He calls to them. They hear his voice and they come to him because they recognize the voice as the shepherd. It's really interesting that one of the things that the shepherds did in Israel is they anointed the sheep's head with oil to keep the bugs from coming around. 
Oil in scriptures always represents the Holy Spirit. Always represents the Holy Spirit. Shepherds never beat their sheep. They never push their sheep. They gently guide their sheep, and the sheep follow the shepherd's voice. And most assuredly, the one thing that a good shepherd will do is give his life for the flock. A good shepherd will give his life for the flock. And sadly, these overseers now of the nation Israel, these religious leaders, were neither feeding them nor caring for them. Instead, they were leading them astray. They were keeping them and preventing them from coming to the one true good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And they weren't allowing them to partake. And when the sheep scatter, they become prey to the wolves. They become prey to the ravenous wolves. And as we've been studying chapter 10, Jesus has been contrasting the false shepherds who lead people astray to the good shepherd. And in contrast, these false shepherds, these failing shepherds, compare not at all to the one true loving shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the good shepherd. In fact, as we begin our study today, Jesus is speaking and he makes another I am statement. He makes this other I am statement. He says, I am the good shepherd, period. I am the good shepherd. It's another I am statement. Jesus declares, he is the good shepherd. Now throughout scripture, especially the New Testament, Jesus has been called shepherd many times. In Hebrews 11, uh, 13, 20, the writer calls Jesus the great shepherd who constantly intercedes for us. Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 4, called Jesus the chief, the chief shepherd who is coming back for us. And here Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. The word translated good here from the Greek describes ideal. The ideal shepherd. Everything you would ever want in a shepherd, Jesus fulfilled that. He wasn't like Blue Boy and Bo Peep. He wasn't like them. He was the good shepherd. He was the ideal. Listen to what Guzik said about this. Quote, Jesus said it so plainly that there could be no mistake what he meant. Jesus fulfills the ideal of a shepherd-like care for the people of God as illustrated in the Old Testament and in that culture. What was the main thing that the good shepherd did or does? Well, continue on in verse 11. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Under the old dispensation, under the old covenant, the sheep actually died for the shepherd, didn't they? The sheep died for the shepherd. They were the sacrifice. The sheep were sacrificed for the sins of the shepherd, the sins from everybody else. There was thousands upon thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of sheep sacrificed. During Passover alone, they sacrificed tens and hundreds of thousands of sheep. Just during Passover. But now under the new covenant, Jesus Christ is the good shepherd and he gives his life for the sheep. The shepherd became the sheep so the sheep might know the shepherd. Shepherd became the sheep so the sheep might know the shepherd. The good shepherd is Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus died for the sheep. We know that Jesus died for the nation Israel. But we also know that Jesus died for the entire world. He died for the sheep. 
And in verses 12 and 13, now Jesus is going to contrast himself, the good shepherd, to the hireling, one who watches the sheep simply because it's his job, simply because he's paid for. Let's look at 11 and 13. Jesus repeats, Jesus says, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. The Greek word here for hireling means that one who has absolutely no interest in the sheep. A la Bo Peep. A la Little Boy Blue. They had no interest in the sheep. They were hirelings. The true shepherd cares for his flock in the midst of danger. And it's really cool. There's no coincidence here. As I was taking a free time yesterday evening, I was flipping through the channels and I came across the movie with Mel Gibson called The Patriot. I like the movie. It's a good movie. And in that movie, they were seeking men for the militia. And they came into a church. And they were trying to get men to join the militia to come against the Redcoats, the British. It was the Revolutionary War. They were trying to get this to happen. And they were talking to these men in the church. And one by one, the men stood up to join the militia. And as they got outside of the church, here comes the pastor. And he comes walking out, and he's got his rifle on his shoulder. And he comes walking out and takes his wig off his hat, off his head. And he comes walking out. And somebody looked at him and said, you too, pastor? And I love what he said. He said, the shepherd must tend the flock and sometimes fight off the wolves. I love that. I love that. Fight off the wolves. But he who is a hireling, when the wolves come, he's gone. He runs away. He, he, he scats. He scoots. He runs away in danger. And the key phrase as to why he runs away, one who does not own the sheep. Hireling has no interest in the sheep. He has no vested interest in the sheep. He doesn't own them. It's just a job to him. But the good shepherd owns the sheep. How does he own them? Well, he bought them with a price. The good shepherd bought the sheep with a price, and the price was his own dear blood. He paid for the sheep. He purchased them with his blood. They belong for him to him. He cares for them. He looks out for them. He does all the things the true and good shepherd would do for his sheep. And the sheep never are for want because he is their shepherd. If the Lord is your shepherd, I shall not want, so the psalm goes. If the Lord is your shepherd, that's the epitome of contentment, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. What do I have in need of? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And he's pointing, basically, to the religious leaders and using them in contrast. And he's saying, these other religious leaders, they're hirelings. Because when things get tough, they're going to run away. They're going to dime you out and turn you in. And you're going to scatter and you're going to run away. But I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Want an example? We studied it in chapter 9. In chapter 9, the man who was born blind, Jesus healed him. Jesus healed the man who was born blind. And when he went back to the Pharisees and told them all about Jesus healing him, what did they do? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah, you're healed. No. They threw him out of the synagogue. They got rid of him. See what I'm saying? The good shepherd found him, 
and took care of him and brought him into the fold. There's the difference between the good shepherd and the hireling. The hireling, to the hireling, it's just something that I do for a living. You're not really my sheep, so I don't have a vested interest in you. Look at 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. Jesus repeated it. How many times does he have to say it? Jesus repeats, I am the good shepherd. You know, he says something once and we all go, okay. He says something twice, we all go, whoa, wait a minute. And every once in a while, he'll say something three times and we go, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You better listen up when he says these things and take it in to him. I am the good shepherd, he says in verse 14. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I love this. I just love this. The word here used for know is not intellectual knowledge. It's not intellectual knowledge that you would read out of a book. The word here for know means experiential knowledge. Know by experience. You know by feeling his love, gathering his love, as he demonstrates his love upon you. And it speaks of an intimate relationship between you and God, between his people and the sheep. The experiential knowledge. Knowledge by personal experience. Why? Because Jesus knows your name. Remember the song? He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He knows that each tear that falls and hears me when I call. He knows your name. He knows each one of your name. Think about that. He calls you by name. He knows that. Then you think about that. In this day of soul and identity, your identity will never be lost with Christ. Your identity is secure with Christ because he knows who you are. And he identifies with that. And he knows that. He knows your nature. Now, all sheep are basically the same, but we all have distinctive characteristics, don't we? We all have distinctive characteristics. Jesus, the loving and good shepherd, recognizes your traits. He recognizes your characteristics, and he is faithful and true to you and those characteristics. He treats you because of your characteristics, and he loves you. And I like to say he loves me in spite of my characteristics. He loves me in spite of my characteristics. And he knows how to take special care of his flock. Proof. Have you ever noticed the difference between the apostles? Have you noticed the difference between the disciples? First of all, you have foot and mouth Peter. Mr. Impulsive. Mr. Outspoken. Jesus dealt with him in a specific way. We have Thomas the skeptic. Thomas the doubter. Thomas the hesitant one. Jesus dealt with him in a specific way, didn't he? You have Andrew, the person who always brought people to Jesus Christ. Then you have James and John, the sons of thunder. Don't have to say much else about that, do we? But Jesus knew each one of them personally. He knows you personally. He knows your happiness, your sadness, your quirks. He knows everything about you. And he loves you immensely. You are the Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as I Am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.